can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Join the Council for the Model Aquatic Health Code, a.k.a. CMAC. CMAC is a member-driven organization that keeps the Model Aquatic Health Code sustainable, current, and complete. Your expertise is needed. Learn more at CMAC.org. That's C-M-A-H-C Hey, everyone. Welcome to Tuesdays with Dan and Kelly. Sure is tough to come out of a holiday and, and get motivated to do anything, right? Especially after Thanksgiving. Yeah, you get all tired from all that food, and now you're kind of gained a few pounds, so you're a little sluggish. Yeah, for sure. I think this yep. is the worst time of year for anyone with a diet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but we did uh, uh, have a little live get-together just prior to Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, with, that with was a fun. Of, a few of us talking pools uh, podcasters, and... Uh, I like the, when we, I like when we can do those occasionally, like spice it up a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, we'll have to we'll have to twist Rudy's arm a little bit and see if we can we can do some more group things together. Uh, especially that that live interaction, being able to get some live feedback from people is kind of a neat neat thing. And Love now that. that most of us have met each other now, right. I feel like it's a lot more like laid back it's not so like tense when you have those lives because you're like how right. does this person talk when is it okay for me to start talking because i know that's right. one of my biggest things is interrupting people so yeah for sure and you know vegas at the expo it was great being able to get together with uh with you and heather and chris and, and certainly everybody else that we got to see out there but that was a, a great course, time and we only had a, a a librarian point of view of <laughs> yeah Heather was Heather was uh, <laughs> lost her voice early on and um, not sure if that was a a good thing or a bad thing we'll have, to, <laughs> we'll have to see the next time we get together and find out what the real Heather sounds like <laughs> but but it was uh it was fun getting together last week with the live uh, conversation and and well. Why don't you jump into it? What was it we talked about? It's kind of a, a something that's been going on for six to eight months already, and uh, we just yeah, wanted to bring it out. It seems, it seems like there has been more conversation within the last six to eight months, like you said. Um, pretty much what it is is the APA is trying to ban the use of asbestos in this country, and in the production of chlorine in what they, I believe I heard one third of the chlorine production in this country is from uh, asbestos diaphragm uh, generation. And so they say that people working in these plants are exposed to the asbestos when they breathe and it's unhealthy. As we know, it can cause a lot of health issues. Um, so yeah, the EPA is proposing to ban it and it's going to be very expensive to convert those plants um, into like a mercury diaphragm, mercury uh, conversion. There's a bunch of different ones. Um, so it could cause a lot of issues. Um, I was reading when, you know, kind of like investigating the topic that it, that's one of the reasons our chlorine costs have gone up. Obviously, there's other factors, but that is one of the reasons is the production of chlorine is just getting so expensive with them trying to convert these these plants. Because what did we read? It's going to be at least, what, $1.9 billion Something per like that. plant? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's a, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of money. And there's, um, you know, it, I don't think a day goes by that I don't hear on the radio or see through a, a Facebook feed or something like that attorneys uh for mesothelioma right 
Yeah. Which is, I think, probably part of what's behind all of this. It seems that the EPA started down this path April of this year, April of 22, and um, proposed some scenarios where, uh, you know, if, if it were to pass the use of asbestos diaphragms in chlorine production or chloralkali production, I should say, is um, would be gone in two years. So essentially it gives, there are three different companies that own nine or ten different chloralkali manufacturing facilities that, uh, you know, would give them a couple of years to convert those plants over to, you know, other methods of being able to produce the chloralkali. Um, then, and they did, the EPA did propose, from what I was able to find, a couple of different scenarios. One was a two-year window, another was a five-year window. But as things go, I, I think if something does come down on it, it's probably going to be sooner than later, especially with all of the push, as I said, with the mesothelioma lawsuits and, and everything else. You know, it's interesting that I, and I may, may be slightly off on the numbers, but there are some hundred, uh, workers in these nine plants that have some level of exposure to the asbestos um, that they're dealing with. And, you know, some of the information the EPA has out there talks about like a 40-year, you know, working in these plants for 40 years and the effects of asbestos, um, even as protective as they are when they're working with it, and the potential of cancer and, and all the other stuff. But then on the, on the flip side of it, we read that, uh, it's, it's really not 40 years. It's, it's been for 40 years that it's been a thing, I guess, but most of the employees aren't working for 40 years in these plants and aren't, you know, exposed to it for 40 years. It, the true number is closer to like 15 years. So not that. I, w- I don't want to be around asbestos for 15 minutes, much less 15 years, but I also am not trained. I don't have the, the safety, you know, equipment to, to know how to safely work around asbestos and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't know. I, I guess we need to be aware of it because the potential of a couple more dinks in the armor of the industry relative to chlorine might be coming down the road in the, in the next year or two right so we are going to let all of you listen to our live now in case you missed it because you know it we did do it during the holiday week and we did it on instagram some of you may not have instagram some of you probably were busy cooking and enjoying your family so here is our live that we did with rudy and heather Have you heard there is a group of pool service professionals nationwide that are here to help grow and protect your business? The Independent Pool and Spa Service Association, known as IPSA, is here to help you. By joining the largest trade organization created by and for pool and spa service techs, you gain access to industry networking opportunities, exclusive educational offerings, IPSA's Tech for Tech route coverage, and more. So be independent, supported, and part of a professional community. Go to IPSSA.com to learn how to be a member of IPSA today. Some of you probably were busy cooking and enjoying your family. So here is our live that we did with Rudy and Heather. Three years ago now, I said, Cool Mageddon, and it caused a big shit storm. And the shit storm was large enough that I got on national, like, legit news, right? Not just above and beyond, like ABC, NBC, all that stuff. And I don't want to talk about that, but it's going to get worse again. Everybody keeps saying that it's going to get better. Everybody keeps saying that the chlorine conundrum is going to get better or get worse before it gets better or what have you. I don't see when it's getting better. And there's a couple of things that are going on that's causing this. And one of these is a bill that the EPA is pushing. It's an act to completely ban the use of asbestos in this country, and right now, the two biggest users of asbestos in this country is Olin and Oxychem. And they use this in the manufacture of the chloroalkali products. What it serves as is a diaphragm. So imagine 
And this is what they ship out. It's the raw material. This is what goes to Hasa. This is what goes to Brentag. This is what goes to all the chlorine manufacturers. They take the asbestos and it's used as a diaphragm. And it separates different chemicals that they create. And it's like a giant saltwater pool. So they add the salt to water. They run an electrical current through it. Then all of the things that happen in a salt cell occur in this pit. And they use the asbestos to separate the different chemicals that are produced. And they like the use of asbestos because it holds up to the electrical charge as well as separating the different chemicals that are being used. And in the process of electrolysis, that's when chloride becomes chlorine gas. And we know that the chloride comes from NaCl, which is sodium chloride. When sodium chloride goes into water, it dissociates into sodium and chloride. When the chloride passes through the salt cell, you get chlorine gas. So it goes from Cl negative to Cl2. What you also get in that process, because chloride is not the only thing subject to electrolysis, the water itself is subject to electrolysis as well, so it splits that, and you get hydrogen separating from H2O. So what we end up is with one H and one O. Did I say that right? <laughs> so if you're out looking for a hoe tonight, we got one for you. So Just one, one no, it's we get it. Just one. Hydrogen and a hoe. Hydrogen and a hoe. So the hoe is hydroxide, and when the hydroxide can then bond with the sodium from the sodium or from the sodium chloride, and what you get is sodium hydroxide. And sodium hydroxide is also known as caustic soda or lye. Uh, that's one of the most base materials known on the planet. But that's one of the other things that they're producing. And then the hydrogen ends up hooking up with another hydrogen. This is what's causing the bubbles inside the salt cell. And what happens is you produce hydrogen gas. Hydrogen gas doesn't dissolve in water very easily, so it tends to bubble off. And then that bubbling in your saltwater pool raises the pH, as does the sodium hydroxide that the cell is producing. But right now we have three different things that are being produced, and these three different things are what they're using in these alkali plants to make the raw materials for folks to produce chlorine. So we're getting the chlorine gas, right? Just like in the saltwater pool. We're getting the sodium hydroxide, just like in the saltwater pool, and hydrogen gas, which they're also using. So these three things are important. Now, Oxychem and Olin, well, they're the biggest suppliers of this material. They're also the biggest consumer of this asbestos. So the EPA earlier this year in April wanted to look at the threat of PFAS, and I would love to tell you what it stood for off the top of my head, but it's a medical term dealing with cancer from asbestos where people ultimately end up with mesothelioma. So they don't want people to get sick in these plants, so the EPA is pushing forward for this act, and that started about April-ish. And we started to see that. And we've heard some stuff about that, right? Because we know HASA was very good about communicating every time something happened, which HASA also probably caught more shit than any other manufacturer, probably because they were good at communicating every time something was going to happen. But they also then communicated what they thought was going to happen. And maybe that's where they went a little bit of a awry because for whatever reason. But one of the things that kept coming up periodically, if you guys remember in these letters that you would get throughout the season, is that chloralkali prices, chloralkali shortage, chloralkali force majeure at the factory, all of these things, and that was what was driving up the prices of liquid chlorine. So here we are now, and it looks like this bill is going to pass. It looks very strongly like this bill is going to pass. Olin has already committed to closing one of its factories in Texas as opposed to... Really? As opposed to finding a different way to manufacture this chloralkali. Yeah, they're going to have to. Otherwise, we're going to have to start looking for different sanitation for all of our pools because we switched to bromine or the chemical-free was straight ozone, but... You, I don't know how you're going to hold the residual. You're not going to be able to switch to bromine either, and that's a whole different story because the EPA is up their ass too because part of the problem with bromine 
is when bromine, we know, needs an oxidizer to kick it in the pants and activate it into its killing Correct. form. Otherwise, bromine is pretty much worthless, so we use chlorine with that. So when you chlorinate bromine, what you get is a product that brominates, okay? but then when that's exposed to UV or ozone, then that becomes bromate, which is a harmful disinfection byproduct that also right. then leads to cancer. And maybe you remember, remember, was it last year or the year before where that black ball video went viral, where they dumped all the black balls into the reservoir to yeah. reduce evaporation? Turns out that that's not what that was for. They were actually putting those big black balls into the lake, into the reservoir to reduce the UV exposure because they take seawater and desalinate it. But seawater naturally has a super high bromide ion level. So then they chlorinate the water, then it's in the reservoir, then it's exposed to sunlight. And what you're getting is then they're pumping this water with bromate in it directly into people's homes. So that's why they dump the black balls. That's the true story behind it. So now back to this conundrum. They're pushing for everybody to have this asbestos removed by 2023. So then if that happens, I mean, Not what other sanitation? By the end of 2023. Yeah. But still, all the sanitation that we're going to have, that's going to be a hard transition with sanitation. Because that's salt, that's all the chlorine, that's how are we going to get a residual? I mean, chlorine well, is the only thing that can kill all of the bacteria that go inside of a pool. Water treatment plants, too. Yeah, exactly. water treatment plants. And that's a big concern, and the Chlorine Institute is fighting that, and they're fighting the EPA. The American Chemistry Council is fighting the EPA, and they're telling them exactly those same things. This is going to cause a big problem in sanitizing drinking water across the country. I mean, we're the little ones. We're at the kiddie table in, in the need for chlorine products compared to uh, water treatment industry. But that's what they're fighting, and still they're not making any headway on it. Bromine's out. You're going to see bromine disappear. They've been talking about that for a while. Those sodium bromide products that everybody loves to make mustard algae go away, you will start to see those become harder to find. These are Rudy predictions, by the way. Don't go running to your distributor freaking out and buying everything based off of my predictions. Unless you happen to think me predicting Cool Mageddon was badass. It sucks that it happened, but if there's an alternative to it, that's great. I want to hear it. I want to know about it. But right now, I don't know of one unless we drop the requirement to maintain a minimum chlorine level with ozone or UV and just go with straight ozone or UV. Yeah, but you can't kill you can't system. kill everything with ozone and, and and UV. You could there's still things that Well you can and you can't. You can't with the current setup that you're using. You could yeah. if you increase the size of it tenfold. So you're talking about fifteen hundred dollar to two thousand dollar installation. I'm talking about a twenty thousand dollar installation on that same pool. And yeah. And that's, that's gonna be the nature too. Yeah, for residential, that's way overkill and ethanol. Well, chlorine's not going to go away, and we know BioLab Factory is open, and we know they plan on shipping in 2023. Nobody has word yet on what their pricing is. I haven't seen anything. We'll get a better China idea. doesn't have any restrictions in the next couple of months. But we'll ship it in. The chlor alkali supply is going to directly affect your liquid chlorine pricing. We've already seen the letter, right? Yep. Cal High School. 12%. 30, 30%, 30% from some, in some. What? Situation. Yeah, you didn't see that? No, no, I don't use Cal Hypo. Cal Hypo's going up, they're up to, up to 30% is what they're saying. And that came from both, uh, West, uh, not West Lake, uh, Lake, Lake, whatever in, uh, Houston, the manufacturer out of Houston, Pulsar and AccuTab, Pul both the manufacturers of those. Pul MV is asking about chlorine dioxide, but I don't think that'll work either. I, you know, I have to look more into the manufacturer of it, but I'm going to assume that it's similar in process. I can tell you that that's what I'm, that's what we're looking at now. I, you know, and it's not going to go away. It's just going to be super expensive. That's what's going to happen yeah. because we're going to see um, reduced production of the product because we have, Solanus went up 40%, okay, 
So we're going to see reduced production of chloralkaloid because of this change in the manufacturing process as these manufacturers start to make the shift and decide, all right, am I going to test out a new material or am I just going to close down the factory? So that's going to I think cause I like- a shortage. I think having to make this change by the end of 2023 is ridiculous and doesn't give anyone any chance of finding an alternative that's affordable for the homeowner. Some things are related. Or just move everything to China and then ship the shit back here. Move all manufacturing into China. We can do that, but then there's risks there as well. Fine, we get our product from China. Now you're getting product from really, really old factories with lots of iron plumbing, and you end up with product that has a lot more contaminants in it than we're used to. So it's not like there's just a free and clear easy answer. And we do have problems. We've had other problems with the EPA as well. For example, if you were to take any bucket of chlorine that you have and look at the label on the back of the bucket, it's going to tell you that the maximum allowed, not maximum ideal, but the maximum allowed level of chlorine in a swimming pool is four parts per million. And because it says it on the bucket, that makes it the law. Because you have oh, to forgot follow to hit unmute. Sorry. Yeah. As a professional, you have to follow label instructions when you add mm-hmm. this stuff. So that means that no matter what anybody else is saying, health departments or otherwise, the one part per million to ten parts per million, federal law says Federal law says four parts per million max on chlorine. Unless they can get that to change. Now I know the CDC was trying to get them to separate swimming pool water from drinking water. And that's the reason for it because chlorine, the same chlorine we use in swimming pools is also used in drinking water. So they have to have it on the label because it's used for drinking water. But because the product is used in both markets, it has the same instructions. So they need to change the instructions and be able to have two different ones that says not for product drinking water. Only if you know, EPA agrees to separate the product for pool water. EPA needs to get on their ass and F and separate that shit. I don't, you know, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I can understand them looking out for, I mean, I think I'd like to see the statistics on how many people under these and I'll tell you, it's not like Olin and Oxychem are just sending people out there without the, the correct personal protective equipment. They're wearing it. They have the gear on. They're there. I want to know how safe it really is. How many people actually did develop mesothelioma? That. Mesothelioma. All right, both of you. So <laughs> that at their factories. Because yeah. I've not heard anything about it. It doesn't mean it can't be happening. I don't know. Separating and drives the car. You know what? How much more is it going to go up if they just stop making the shit? I mean, seriously, if plants close down, black market. price is going to go up. Black Mountain, black market chlorine. There you go. I got a guy. He's on the other side. Do you know I what I got a hear that? I, I have a guy dealer. that can sell at this good price. And, you got a gun? But he, 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 he has a, he has a warehouse that you have, you can buy tabs from at a discount as long as you buy 10. I really do hear that from people. 10 it's, tablets? No, yes, like 10, 10 buckets. buckets. Okay, okay, so I know exactly who you're talking about, by the way. Um, he's actually not far from me. He's not in Texas. And I, I sent a friend to, to use, I'm not going to name names, but really nice guy. But I sent a friend to go buy him whenever we couldn't get anything, and he bought an entire pallet of bow tabs and shot. And he told me that was the worst shit that they had ever used because guess where he's getting them from? China. Yep. Well, and because of that, it's been nothing but issues. So they obviously didn't buy anymore, and they told him how big of a shit show that they ran across with all their pools because of it. One million gallons of water, this customer of mine, they have a Mirtha pool. Everybody's familiar with the Mirtha pools. Those are the ones where they actually take out the large sheets of vinyl and they just seam them in place so they're not even dropping a regular liner in there. They're manufacturing it basically right there on site. So they have a million gallons of water. They decide they're going to change their liner. It's time. It is a humongous cost to do this, right? So they go through the process. They change it out. They fill it with water. Then their pool management company comes out and wants to adjust the chemistry, which is great. So he takes his cyanuric acid and he broadcasts it across the surface of this pool. And within oh, no. 10 minutes, this brand new liner was freckled. 
I find out about it six months later. So this is a good amount of time. It's six months later. So I come down there and we're talking with them and I'm looking at the staining on the pool and it's not making sense. Of course, obviously this is not how we add cyanuric acid. Mm-hmm. Nobody broadcasts cyanuric acid. It'll take forever and a day to dissolve when you broadcast that shit. People will complain. Regardless, it freckled the liner. So I'm talking with them. So I pull up the video. We actually pull up the um, security video and look. And sure enough, it's all generic brand cyanuric acid. It's nothing that was made here. That's the contamination that we were speaking about. And they get that there. So I have them go in and test with a vitamin C tablet, right? Because we know ascorbic acid does a good job of removing iron stains. Because when you oxidize, iron exists in water mostly as ferrous iron. But when you oxidize it, what you're doing is stripping away an electron. And then what you get is ferric iron, which is a solid, and it precipitates out, and that's what gives us the stain. So vitamin C tablets are ascorbic acid, and ascorbic acid is a natural electron donor. So by rubbing the vitamin C tablet on the spot, you're actually just giving... Heather, you have a halo. So you're actually just giving... The electrons, you have electrons. There you go. Keeping up with the story. You're giving the electron back and that's what lifts out the stain. And we test it with the vitamin C tablet to see if an ascorbic acid treatment will work. Because obviously we don't want to do something that's not going to work, whether it's 10,000 gallons, 30,000 gallons, right? We don't care. But here I have a million gallons of water and it didn't work. And the problem is that is, is the longer a stain has been in place, the more it becomes part of the pool. So if you catch those things within a week or two, yeah, we can get them out pretty quickly and fairly easily. But if you have something that sat for six months to a year, now it's a bigger problem. So what they ended up doing is, is they have Mirtha coming back out to drain the pool and acid wash the liner. <laughs> you can't do that. No. They can. It's their liner. Let them, <laughs> you know. Someone gave them very bad advice. I want to see the video of that. uh, You know what? We ran into a problem because COVID hit just as it happened. So I was supposed to go back a couple of weeks ago, but I have to reschedule it. So that'll be my first time back there since then. Where's that? I just wanted to give you an example of the contamination that you see in Chinese products. Nothing against them. It's fantastic that it's coming here. It's just they have old pipes in their factories. Period. The end. That's it. That's my problem. That's my beef. Right? When so I the had, product is not as clean. So now when I had my water. route, I could tell the difference between the tabs from China and the ones from here. There was a huge difference. There is. They're all, they also, I thought when they came in two bags that I was, you know, buying drugs or something because it was baggy <laughs> twice. But um, no, there was a difference. Right now, now they use pressure to keep chlorine tablets together, right? It's pure PSI yeah. to make these things in the factory. And they actually have to spray the, um, the mold with stearic acid so the tablets don't stick. Otherwise, they would prop out and crumble when you try to find It's them. like it's a spraying like, butter or olive oil spray. Like, like Pam, right? That Pam stuff? So it's like that, so it doesn't stick. But before that, we used to use xanthan gum to hold them together. So I wonder... If the speed of the Chinese tablets, or if they're dissolving that much quicker, if it's because they're using binders to hold it together like they used to instead of pure PSI. I don't know. Purely speculation. But it's a possibility. So now the stearic acid, hell, you've been out there with Hayward chlorinators, right? You see a bunch of them in your area? Yeah. Okay. So you ever get to the point where you open it up and it's just starting to kind of get gummy and gunky inside on the walls of the chlorinator? Yeah, you can tell it. which tabs are the cheap ones and which ones are the good ones. Because it gets gummy and yucky. That's that stearic acid that they use for all of them. It just depends on how much they're spraying on, I guess, how gunky it gets. But that's what's building up in there. So it's not actually an ingredient in the tablet. It's what they spray on the press to keep the tablet from sticking to the press. That's what's building up inside those chlorinators. It's just like if... But I would just replace it. If I had customers that bought Clorox tabs... That the, like the floating chlorinator would be gunky and yucky and you could tell the difference. Like I would take those yeah, tabs you know, out and throw them out. Right? The Clorox but, tabs, the BioLab, same BioLab factory that burnt down that made all the tablets that right. were used and everything else. They also made the Clorox tabs and I can't, 
aside from the addition of copper specs, I can't believe that they just had a completely different formula for Clorox. What a big pain in the ass that would be. I would just use the same formula, slap the label on it, send it out the door. How much easier and how much less expensive would that be instead of having oh, way, It would be way cheaper. But right. and if everybody everybody gives them gives the Clorox products crap, but they're made in the same damn place. So well, I mean, I'm not thinking about walking around with a bucket that says Clorox on it either. Pretty much yeah. the way I look at it is, like Corey said and you said, we all need to be more educated when it comes to those uh, alternative yeah things, such as the UV, the ozone, the AOP, and they people really need to understand them and stop being lazy and. Nope, that's just too much. My customer's not going to buy it because in reality, these customers, if you educate them on it and what it's going to save them, they don't mind spending that three grand for that AOP system. Right. I wouldn't mind spending 20 grand on one that can handle the pool without chlorine. To be honest, there's probably people out there that would love that (laughs) because, you know, they think that they're so cool if it's chlorine free. It's not a good aftermarket product. Heather, right? Builder install. Put it on when you build the pool, bury it in the pipe, yeah. and good to go. Yeah, that's what we do with ours. We on all of our pool builds, they they go on. I don't give them an option. Like I'm like, you design the pool and I design the equipment. Like the one that we're building now, the equipment pad is thirty grand, our cost. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's because I don't I don't I don't when we build our pools, we do two and a half to two and a half to three inch plumbing and my filters are the 72 square foot, you know, filters. They're large. They're all the VS pumps. They are the ozone systems that go in them. Yeah, I don't yeah. do salt. I don't do that, you know, or 720. I'm sorry. We do cartridge. I don't, I'm trying to get away from D. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're That's the California thing on your board. It's the lack of water. Yeah. But, uh. <laughs> yeah. The UV system. Fucking two and a half inch on there. I think, yeah, I agree with that. That's the time. You too, Jen. It's hard to get somebody to do an aftermarket install on some, on one of those components that's large enough. Oh, look who it is. Dan, why aren't you here with us? It's hard enough to get a, um, Dan does install it. Well, that's why he's knocking on the door, man. He's looking in. And there he is. So, we're talking about, we've been following Dan, but we're talking about the, um, I hate to call it like a pending doom, but realistically it is. And I think we're going to see higher, even with the return of BioLab, we're going to see higher chlorine prices in 2023 than we ever have before due to this asbestos ban that the EPA is going to push through because we know they're going to push it through. And that's going to screw up the chloralkali manufacturer process, causing factories to close down. Supply chains to run short once again, and we're just not going to have the product to so, supply all these folks that are here with us today. Corey said that it's not the the largest challenge is not the money of goods; it's the lack of water. What do you what do you mean lack of water, Corey? He's either being, <laughs> I think <laughs> Corey's in California with yep. Kelly, and they don't have rain. It doesn't rain over there. No, so we don't. I assume that's what <laughs> oh. he's talking about. They just have, yeah, no rain. It'd be so, nice if we had rain. That would help us a lot when it comes to the cyanuric um, acid levels. It's raining right that's now. That's other thing. That's one of the reasons that we actually looked into using aluminum sulfate as a means of lowering cyanuric acid. It was specifically with the California market in mind. I get a lot of folks, the feedback is, is, oh, yeah, it's better to drain the pool, it's better to drain and refill, it's better to drain and refill. You know what? I agree. It is better to drain and refill a pool than to lower your cyanuric acid level chemically. Yeah, but unfortunately, we just have to find a way that works. Some areas don't allow that. Exactly. And that's what I went into that with in mind is California. I think Oregon's another one, right? Those states don't allow people to drain and refill pools just because you have water restrictions, just because you have the continuous droughts. So there's always a way. It's just that this one, I don't, Corey, man, anybody else that's on, I don't, I mean, I, I see Jesus, I see Sydney, hey, maybe. Chris, I will just dump some bleach and be done. I, I think we're going to see all of the chlorine prices continue to rise through 23 until we get to about this time next year. You know, it's a, a good indicator. 
Next time you go into your supermarket and you go down the, the bleach aisle where you see your Clorox and stuff, take a look at how much actual bleach they have on the shelves. Because what I've been noticing is that through the entirety of these past few years, it used to be like a big, massive, you know, lots of shelf space for regular bleach and then lots of shelf space for splashless bleach. And what you're starting to see is that the regular bleach supply is down to maybe one row space and then everything yeah. else is splashless. And that's the reason for that is splashless only has a quarter of a percent. It's only a quarter percent sodium hypochlorite, whereas regular strength chlorite is 6%. So they're able to stretch it all out, and they charge more for the splashless anyway. So that's a good indicator of, I mean, Clorox is a huge company. You know they're watching the market. Another big thing we saw is you guys went to the international show. Who wasn't there? All of the big anybody ones. Anybody, that is yeah. anybody. Yeah, well, we had a conversation about that with our little group. And it's just yeah. because it cost them so much. Like, I didn't realize yeah. how much it cost the big brand companies to go, you know, upwards of 20000 plus. I mean, just for a booth, just to move it in. And then all the expenses of everything going in, you know, that was insane. It's a lot of money, no doubt. And they had to use the union workers that worked at the the convention center to, you know, put set the lights and the plugs and anything that had to be done had to have somebody there that they had to pay for. So the costs were, re- yeah, they were really high for people to have a booth at that show. I I think that next year you're going to see all of them back. Um, the the cost is high and they've been able to get away from going to it the last few years because the demand has been so high. But by all indications, it seems that next year the big three are going to be back at the the expo. Well, yeah, they're going to the Houston show. Well, they're going to the Houston show because I got the booth. So, oh yeah, they're going to all the other shows. The little or the smaller ones. The smaller, yeah, they'll be at NESPA at the Atlantic City show. They're going to be at the uh, the Western show, I think, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the other thing to consider too, because it's not like they don't use chlorine in the manufacture of those products, because they do. And like I said, we're at the kitty table. We're not the big consumer of chlorine. We're not the big consumers of of. Not cyanuric acid, but you're ready to make cyanuric acid. There's another shortage there. There's a borate shortage looming. Right now, you know what the big shortage they're seeing in the medical field is? Sodium bicarbonate. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I thought it was antibiotics. Maybe that too. I follow. Well, and, uh, and just today, you know Andrea's thrown it willy nilly in pools with uh, copper problems. I, you know, she needs to conserve that shit. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I told her to throw that shit in. If you go into Google, go into Google and just uh, get a look Google alerts and type in the, and just add to it the names of different chemicals that you use. And then anytime a shortage pops up, Google will send you an email. And then you'll know what's looming. It's really the best way to go about having a jump on things, you know. So if you're worried, you really have to look at what's going on in the world. And some people don't realize, like politics, manufacturing, (laughs) other things. Like what we use is all a byproduct of something that some other industry makes, and that makes it so we have the increase in costs. You could not be correct. If you don't pay attention to what's going on in the world, you won't be able to really survive with your business and know how to navigate what to do. Why is she laughing? I <laughs> see her laughing. So the biggest consumer of urea in the I'm world laughing. is agriculture. Um, and they're not going to be willing to ship it if they don't have enough for their own country. So we have yeah. a bunch of different things going on. We use urea to manufacture cyanuric acid. Cyanuric acid is manufactured in the heat degradation of synthetic urea. So that's where that comes from. And we need that to make chlorine tablets. Yeah. So that's going to affect the cost there. It's also going to affect the production there. If we can't get the ingredients, we can't make the cake, you know, the product. So, you know, I, it's, it's scary. I just wanted to jump on because this is something that, you know what, it's not over. We're not at the end. It's not going to get better now. Just the fact that BioLab open doesn't mean that everybody should just go, ah, and, and, yeah. and let your guard down. you got to look for these deals. you got to look for your product. And I'm not saying to go out there 
and um, panic buy, but you're probably well, educate yourself. And I wish I could tell you how much it's going to go up because I know you need to let your customers know so you can increase your prices. And unfortunately, we don't have that information at the guessing game. That's why I think it was it was last year. Um, I don't know who else was there. Corey, you were with me in this conversation, but we were talking about it. And what we said that we thought folks in the service sector should do is to charge a fee, an hourly fee for service. Or a trip charge for service, and then chemicals on top of that at market. Oh, chemicals separate. One hundred percent. I know a lot of people who do that after what happened. They're like, we just can't predict the cost of these chemicals. And some people were like, well, forget it. I, I still included chemicals in my service, limited. Right. And still raise the price, but you know, I was very, very, very strict on that limit. And yes, there was an extra cost if I had to put more than that limit because yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to eat that cost. Like, you know, my time's worth something. I mean, some companies to this point. Yeah. And like you said, it's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse. Just like Hasa's saying, you know, they're having their 12% increase. And you know, I don't predict that to be the only one this year. Well, no, we got Cal Hypo 30% up. So. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, going to be next they, year. They like to use Cal Hypo because they can carry more on their truck and it's cheaper per pound. But now, if you think about it, liquid it chlorine may be cheaper anymore. if you can get it. <laughs> it might not be anymore. Uh, 30% is a big hike. You know? Yeah. That's not a little increase. It's not at all. You know, I use, in my co- company, I use a lot of muriatic acid. And believe me, I'm not looking forward to this increase at all. But luckily, and muriatic acid is getting hard to get too. Like some of the people that are in Florida, especially. Same, same, um, supply issues. Um, I mean, and we take everything else out of the equation that we know we're still going to deal with anyway. We're not even talking about those. And I, and we don't need to because I just wanted to address this chloralkali thing, but talking about the plastic, the resin problem where we can't get resin to make buckets and then the workforce shortage where we can't get employees to put the shit we make into buckets and then the transportation issue where we can't get anybody to ship the shit that the employees we didn't have put the shit in the buckets that we don't have and it's just a whole big rolling domino effect, snowball what, snafu bar, right? It's yeah. Just, it's, 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 it's something special. We need something different. And it's like I said, it, it can't be bromine because that's on its way out. So start educating yourself on alternatives. So builders aren't going to be able to get permits anymore to build any new pools. That's going to be gonna stretch out next. The next hardest thing. Lighter. They're just limited. It. I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of specialty chemicals. I am. I didn't always use them in all of my pools. I did it on a case-by-case basis. But now, now that we've been facing this crunch on chlorine, I'm a bigger fan than before. NSD Cal Hypo already exists. It doesn't matter. It's Cal Hypo. I know it's a different product, but it's still going to be expensive. Um, But... This just the, the the specialty chemicals are going to help us to stretch out the amount of chlorine that we do have on hand, so we can use less chlorine because we're using the specialty products. It should take less chlorine to establish those minimal levels. But now you have you know you are spending money on the specialty chemicals too, so you got to make sure that you don't overdo it. And you can still keep your costs in check that way. Yeah. Just like I, I said before, you're going to have to educate yourself on other things to make it so you use less. Yeah. Well, that and just start switching clients over to proper fitting ozone systems and start making sure that yeah. they understand what's going on. I will right. say, at least in California, over the last two years, the selling one of those, the AOP or just UV or just ozone is a lot easier than it used to be. You know, yeah, when you give you would give them that dollar amount and they'd be like, forget that. But now with, well, with COVID thinking of all the germs that are possibly 
around there that you can kill with it or people are a little bit more willing to, to pay for that. Especially well, when you tell them that you could reduce the chlorine exposure that they they can have. And this is an aftermarket. This isn't just the new builds. Just, um, the, the model that you see out in the field now is actually not the most effective way to produce AOP. They go with uh, ozone generator and a UV generator, which will... Um, in, which will then, in UV degradation of ozone, produce hydrogen peroxide, which will then give you uh, the hydroxyl radical, which is the neutral form of hydroxide, which is AOP, very short-lived thing. Big job. <laughs> I messed that up. Um, but there's better ways to produce larger amounts of AOP. <laughs> he said where... Make sure there's a warning that you don't trip over the buoy, I think he said. That's funny. You need a warning with the buoy to avoid the trip hazard. But we're not, the point is, is we're not using the right system or the right method. And I know that's going to piss off some manufacturer, but we're not using the right method to effectively produce AOP for swimming pools right now. But un- well, until that's need. until that's out there, though, Rudy, the the stuff that's out there is is viable. Yes. And no, when you in conjunction, you know, there there's so many alternatives. That, uh, well, if you start from the very basic aspect of water chemistry and make these fuckers keep the water balanced, okay? <laughs> so the chlorine they are using is actually effective. That's the first step. And then beyond that. You know, you can do things, the, the minerals, whether it's a nature two or a frog or, or a, uh, like a pool RX or, or one of those deals to help reduce the amount of chlorine that you need. AOP, yeah, it's not perfect by any means, but it's definitely, it's, it's definitely fine. I mean, it, it does help reduce the need for chlorine. And, and, you know, if you pile all of these things, Together with a salt system and an AOP or a mineral, you know, I mean, we're we're combining many layers in everything that we build and anything that we can talk to people effectively and get them to realize the benefits of it. Um, but the only thing so, we need, the only thing we need to take the current AOP to the next level, and it's very simple and shouldn't even be expensive, is instead of relying upon the ozone and UV to interact and produce peroxide. Instead of that, we inject peroxide into the system. So all we need to do is inject peroxide with the UV, with the ozone in the system, and then you will get so much more AOP from that same ozone generator from that same UV system that you have. It's a simple fix. So hopefully that... It's simple, except that Anything of that nature, if it injects too much, ends up being a problem. Well, it's, you're right. It's going to have to be service set. It's not a home yeah, product. Right. It's not right. A homeowner well, but but, but even beyond that, you know, you service set stuff, and then homer, homeowners go and, and screw around with it. And, you know, I, I think that's why the stuff that's out there right now hasn't even thought of migrating into something like that. Because the, then you put walkout the, codes the, on them like they have heaters. Well, he's not wrong. Yeah. Don't sell your route. No, okay. don't sell your full route. Just charge accordingly. Yeah, you know, I have no idea how people can can go out and include chemicals in the cost. They're they're if they're trying to, you know, you're you're cutting corners if you're making a profit. There's no way you can include chemicals in your pricing, and and be effective as a business owner doing that. No, can't. not anymore. You can't. You You've got to have a program that you enter it correctly and you charge per stop. See, Make like good relationships with too. your distribution. They'll let you know when product comes in. Kelly did mm-hmm. a show. You guys did an episode on that. So oh, yeah. When things are coming in, when the prices are going to go crazy, you know, hide some stuff for you somewhere. Well, that's where your that's where your BDR comes in because, like our BDR, I love our BDR to death. He always tells me, "Hey Heather, we're gonna have a price increase in 30 days." Yep, we just got notification. 
knee pads. Do what? Did Chris suggest knee pads? Is that what he was saying? I think that's what I heard. Yeah. What? All right. So I just wanted to make yeah. sure before, yeah. before I throw it stop, out there. Stop at Home Depot. Get a good set. Home Depot. Get knee pads. So, yeah. And that's how I started that one video that was about a week ago. So get on your knees, bitch. But it's, uh, <laughs> That's how the pricing is going to go. Look for more price increases. Be ready for it. Um, hopefully, you being here with us and us jumping on tonight has um, helped in some way, shape, or form. Spread the word. Tell a friend. Uh, you know, we're all in this together. And uh, yeah, that's that's what it is. We're one big family. It's a dysfunctional family, but I do believe it's a family. So I'm the black sheep, so we're good. I'm, I'm Uncle Fester. Uncle oh wait, no! I'm the librarian now. I have to be the librarian. Yeah. There are two R's in that word, Heather. Come on, lose that Southern draw. Librarian, <laughs> come on, you can do it. All right. Librarian. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 